When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Yes, yes. Welcome into the Tim McKernan Show for Monday, May 17th, 2021. Jackson, I've decided I'm not even going to call it questions from the audience. Sweet. For this moment. Rebrand. Why? Yeah, it's not really. It's just like it's really not questions from the audience. It's just topics, and then we start talking, and the yeah. question leads to me going into some Adderall infused. <laughs> 30-minute rant where you sit there and scroll through Instagram like I do when Iggy's breaking down SGO Kai. I think that's essentially what the show is. Now, last week, we did the show in person. Yeah. Tell me about that experience for you because it had to be exciting to work alongside somebody as talented as me. No doubt. And I, I hope that didn't come off the wrong way. No, no, I don't think anyone could have taken it the wrong way. Right, right. I really enjoyed it because I think that people who see me do the podcast like I'm doing right now, with just me alone in this podcast studio, they think I'm like practicing radio. Like I'm like pretending. <laughs> like, like, like you're in there getting reps, like a yeah. broadcast like a broadcast student. Yeah, exactly. Like, like bringing his tape recorder to the game in the 1980s, practicing play-by-play. That's what, so people walk by and they think you're in there <laughs> doing what they call reps in yeah. the business. Yep, yep. So they think I'm in That amuses like, the hell out of me to what? picture that because I know exactly where you are and I know that there's a window and it's right when people walk into KFNS. Yeah, they see you sitting there, but we can't really see out. Like we can't see as well as they can see in. Yeah, it's definitely that's what I found. It's easier to you see, in, and I usually do it pretty dark in here, so I, it really looks right. like I'm I'm putting in like the late hours. And having you here last week is like, oh, maybe this kid isn't insane and isn't just doing <laughs> doing this thing, just staying after the show just to get some reps in, just to work work on the craft. <laughs> God, I love that. Oh, that's one of those things when somebody's about to hire you for no money. This will allow you to really work on the craft. Yep. The fuck is the craft? We're talking. My son has worked on the craft now, and he's three. Yeah. There is no craft. You're talking, yep. and you need to lack self-awareness <laughs> and any moral fiber, and then you can get in the business, too. There is no craft. Fuck it. Anyway, we're brought to you. here's the craft. Get sponsors, deliver return on investment. That's the craft, actually. Yes, that is the craft. That's the mobilizing audience. That's the craft. Mm-hmm. Uh, the HomeLoanExpert.com, Ryan Kelly. He's climbing a mountain, Jackson. Unbelievable. He's climbing a mountain this week. It's crazy. That's what he does. Mm-hmm. He raises money for charities. He's such a good guy, and he runs a hell of a business. Uh, within the last, well, I guess at this point, maybe it was about a year and two weeks ago that I refinanced with him. And I got uh, pre-approved with him here a couple months ago. Uh, he's the best. And, you, and boy, I'm telling you, I uh, th- this home market thing, every time I do this endorsement, that just makes me think about what's going on. I do this. Every th- everything for me is spreadsheets. I showed you my daily fantasy sports spreadsheet last week. I think that freaked you out. Mm-hmm. Um, the Excel color coding and 
percentages and all. And by the way, yet again this week, the Tam Avenue Capital Partners had a had a team in 60th place mm. heading into such so three straight weeks. We have gone into the final day. Uh, I wound up finishing like 200th with that team. Uh, but uh, hold on, I'm texting my babysitter, not mine, <laughs> my <laughs> son. Uh, gotta get, you gotta seize babies. It's like it's it's like houses right now. Yeah. You gotta get the house whenever you can. You gotta get the babysitter whenever you can. Um, so I had to take that. But uh, anyway, um, with the Excel spreadsheet, I've been I track my what I eat. I track my caloric intake, my workouts, protein, carbs, fat, and then this goes this Jackson. This goes back. Mm-hmm. Let's see if you are twenty three now, right? Mm-hmm. I have been doing this since you were seven. Jeez, I know it's just—it's so messed up, and I'm—I'm I'm having this awareness thing that I talk about each week on the podcast, where I'm becoming aware of some things that I think are good, and then some things that I go, "God, that is really fucking weird," but because it's been part of my life forever, I didn't really notice how weird it was, mm-hmm. and I'm the one that's the weirdo. It's not like I'm saying this is. But these are the things that I do. So anyway, with with um, tracking, you know, I don't know what the right way to, to put it is, but tracking money, for lack of a better term, but that's not the best way to say it. So like home value. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and, and so I have that in a spreadsheet. And the increase, and this isn't a brag because anybody who owns a home right now has seen an, seen an increase. But what has gone on over like the last year is incredible. It's incredible. You have to consider selling. The, the issue, of course, is if you're going to move, now you're going to pay one and a half times what you were going to pay, yeah. you know, 18 months ago. So, they, you know, there's a push and a pull. But uh, you have to get pre-approved. It's just absurd. I was communicating with a real estate agent over the weekend, and uh, as I am sitting here, one of the reasons we delayed doing uh, the start of the podcast, and there it is, the, the real estate agent is driving a Porsche, pulling out of our lot, which is not a brag. It got into, it got into actually, what our first question is this week. Mm-hmm. How, how many topics have I covered in the last 30 seconds, by the way? Are we still on the Ryan I mean, Kelly read? we've gone from the Tam Avenue Capital Partners to you doing your practice radio. <laughs> <laughs> Dry run. <laughs> to me looking, looking down... What I was about to say is real estate going quickly, and what I was about to say to you is, as you know, we delayed the start of recording the podcast because as we were in here, people were looking through the house, the house we rent when we're in Florida, because mm-hmm. the guy who owns it is uh, is selling it, and um, and 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 since he p- he put it on the uh, what do they call it, the MLS? Is that what it's called? That's the league. Of, that's the soccer league. But is yeah. it also the thing the real estate agents use? Um, I don't know. On, on Friday morning, like I'm like I'm I'm looking through it myself, and I'm like, hey, that's the house we live in. <laughs> but he already told me he was going to put it for put it up for sale. Yeah. Um, and he has had at least because I guess sometimes he has people come through when we're not here. Eight people come through it, and they put it on the thing at like Friday at eleven. It's crazy. So anyway, I just looked downstairs. We delayed starting the podcast because I said, hey, there are people here looking through the house. And then I saw the real estate agent just back out, and the real estate agent's driving a Porsche SUV, which then gets back to what I said last week on the podcast regarding car shaming in St. Louis. And I'm not talking about bad car shaming. I'm talking nice car shaming, whereas down in this area, especially for real estate agents, everybody's driving something like a Mercedes or, in this case, a Porsche SUV because the real estate agents have to come off like they're bawling so hard. Mm-hmm. That is how I just came full circle. Ryan well Kelly, the Home Loan Expert.com. 
I really do have issues. Like, hmm. I don't know what they are. I don't know if they're demons. I don't know if my brain doesn't work properly because one side of my head's caved in. Hmm. And like if it were symmetrical, then my brain would fire like most people's. I don't know what's going on. Hmm. I'm just becoming more and more aware of how fucked up I am. Anyway, thank you to Ryan Kelly for sponsoring this thing, especially considering it's clearly insane. <laughs> uh, another thing that I would say to you is this. Once you buy a home or sell a home uh, with Ryan Kelly, uh, you refinance, as, as the case might be. If you're buying a home, get it taken care of with James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. He is my insurance agent. All these things are firsthand. Uh, 314-961-4800 or go online at carltoninsurance.net. Uh, just one of the many things that separates James Carlton from any other local insurance company is their capacity. They have a large team of nine people, and that means service other companies can't provide. They challenge anyone to leave them a voicemail during business hours. It's tough to do. You need something It's going to get done fast, effectively, and without any hold times or prompt. James believes the sign of any good business is low turnover, and they pride themselves in a consistent office environment. When people come to work there, they typically stick around because of the culture, and that office culture directly influences a customer's experience. It's James Carlton, 314-961-4800, or go online at carltoninsurance.net. If your insurance costs a leg and arm, call James Carlton, State Farm. And our official automotive provider here on the Tim McKernan Show is Munganast. It's where I got my car from. It's where Doug got his car from. It's where Iggy's got his car serviced. So many of our listeners have gone to Jamie Burkhardt and Clayton Patterson at St. Louis Acura and Alton Toyota. Those are the Munganast. I know there's Munganast dealerships all over the place, but this is these are the Munganast dealerships that are our advertisers. StLouisAcura.com and AltonToyota.com. Uh, business remains great. Thank you to the listeners for continuing to go out there and saying you're a Ryan Kelly Morning After Listener or Tim McKernan Show podcast listener. Uh, the new car supply in May may be short at some stores. However, at St. Louis Acura and Alton Toyota, they have a great selection of new vehicles. Ask about their 0% financing offers. Plus, save over $11,000 on all remaining 2020 MDXs. Yes, eleven. Thousand dollars plus over 250 used cars available at AltonToyota.com and StLouisAcura.com. It's Munganess, the official automotive provider of the Tim McKernan Show. The car thing was on my mind because our leadoff hitter this week uh, is this one. I talked last week about what I have observed, and I think there is truth to. But of course, it's my observation, so why wouldn't I think there's truth to it? Which is people, especially younger people, in St. Louis being shamed for driving a nice car when they actually can afford it. Now, I enjoy pointing out at parties in the park those who drive the uh, BMW 3 Series mm. that has a payment larger than their <laughs> apartment payment. Yeah. And I find that to be a nuanced difference of, of conversation. But this kind of is falling under the umbrella of ambition shaming in St. Louis. And uh, that, that topic clearly resonated with our leadoff hitter this week. Tim, I was listening to your most recent QFTA podcast while I was working out yesterday and got a good chuckle out of the portion of the podcast where a listener felt like he almost needed to apologize for or just justify his purchase of a Tesla. I, too, have experienced something like this and can confirm that car envy is most definitely a real thing in St. Louis. I'll summarize my story for you. I own a nice SUV. It's not a Range Rover or anything, but it's certainly a nice SUV. One evening, I was leaving work at the same time as my boss, and we walked out to the parking garage together. It just so happened that we had parked very close to each other that day. As she saw me walking to my car, which was within about 10 yards of where she parked, she said, Hey, nice car. How much are we paying you again? 
This was one of those compliments that didn't really feel like a compliment. In my mind, what she was really saying was, I don't like the fact that someone who works for me drives a nicer car than I do. I was pretty much speechless at the time and just kind of laughed it off and tried to ignore it, but it was very awkward. She and I have always gotten along well, but it's almost like she looks at me differently now because I have a nice car, which is extremely strange to me. I honestly couldn't care less what kind of car anyone drives. I just happen to like nicer cars. I essentially go out of my way to avoid the subject of what kind of car do you drive at work, and it shouldn't be that way because, honestly, who cares? In my opinion, for whatever reason, in St. Louis, people feel like that, that if they are in charge or in a managerial role, that people underneath them shouldn't have nicer things than they do. I've also seen situations where people think that just because someone is younger than they are, that they shouldn't make more money or have nicer things than they do. Some people can't seem to ever look inward and analyze why they haven't been able to acquire nicer things in life. It's honestly quite sad. Hell, I have a buddy of mine who recently bought a BMW X5 but still drives his older model Toyota 4Runner to work because he doesn't want to deal with people giving him shit about it. He knows the passive-aggressive comments will start coming left and right if he drives a new car to work. I think what all this boils down to is that there are a lot of haters out there, and instead of just being happy for someone who's doing well, people can't stand it, so they try to tear them down any chance they get. I really wish we could get past this level of car envy in St. Louis, but I don't see it happening anytime soon. Love the podcast. All the best. That's Derek in St. Louis. So Derek's story, Jackson, Mm -hmm. is, I I guess you could say it's a, um, you know, it's branching off of what I was talking about, which again is in some sense, and it's not with everybody by any means, of course, but like ambition shaming. I don't even know if that's the right term. Mm-hmm. But like ambition is kind of frowned upon by some, but I think it's people who haven't wound up, you know, yeah. maybe regretting pursuing their dreams or maybe having a child too young mm-hmm. and then that left them in a spot where they couldn't take chances, th- those kinds of things, which I think would be more commonplace, and this is always my point of reference, in St. Louis than other top 25 markets. St. Louis, compared to the rest of Missouri, it might be the most progressive. But St. Louis, in comparison to other top 25 markets, I would say has to be on the absolute low end. Could be wrong. This is just me bullshitting. I know anytime there is an observation that could be considered critical of St. Louis, some people get their guard up. Whatever. It comes with the territory. You can motherfuck me at tmckernan at InsideSGL.com. With this... It kind of speaks to it, but I think, I don't know if I, now I wasn't there, but I kind of feel like it was more a a joke, you know, because this, this lady is, is in charge or his superior and he's driving a nicer car than her. So I don't know. Now I, I, so I didn't take it that way, but mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not there. Yeah. I didn't so take I don't, it that way either. So I don't know. I thought it might just be like a little joke. Yeah. But, I mean, he's going into detail on it, so maybe he really feels strongly. Yeah, a lot of people, I feel like, also maybe handicap it with, like, oh, well, your family must have money because you work here, and I know you don't get paid enough to drive this. But some people like to drive, like, love driving or want to be comfortable in a car and happy with a car, so they spend it on that. Some people spend it on a really nice house so they can have a nice place to live. Some spend it on travel. There's a ton of different ways to spend money but i feel like some some people view it as like a, a flex or a brag if you right. spend that money that you earned on a nicer car when really you just want to drive a nice car 
uh, because you enjoy driving just as some enjoy a nice house or enjoy traveling. So he gets into the managers not liking when people under them may make a lot of money or something along those lines. Mm -hmm. I don't know what kind of structure that would be. In the broadcasting business, I know this. Well, there's a, there's a couple things. If I owned a business or if I was like a GM of a business mm -hmm. and everyone was driving nice cars, I'd be happy, again, assuming this isn't like a 23-year-old who's sharing an apartment with five people and his house payment or his apartment and his rent is, is less than his car payment. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I mean, I guess if you can afford it, who gives a shit? And then the whole scheme of things is not my problem anyway. They can drive where the fuck they want. Yeah. But that's, that's the parties in the park line. Mm -hmm. I want people to be making a lot of money. Like, I want that. Mm -hmm. I, w I want the people who would be working for me to be in a position where they're buying up homes in nice areas if that's where they want to live or they're driving nice cars. That's a sign that the business is doing well. And in broadcasting, where sales is the engine of the business, it's not talked about because, you know, they're not salespeople aren't on television or on the radio or on podcasts. So, but my God, give me a great salesperson over a great on-air person any day of the week, unless it's one of the handful of on-air people who truly mobilize an audience. Um, and uh, and you can have scenarios, because they're commission-based, where they do make the most money, more money than the general manager, actually. Mm -hmm. It can work out that way, but you want it that way. Yeah. You, if you're the owner of the business or if you're the GM and you're bonused based on certain, you know, goals and you have a salesperson who's killing it and that person just on, let's say on the high end gets 25%, which would be, you know, super high for broadcasting commission, but whatever, just for the sake of the discussion, for a state when the person's receiving a, a salary as a salesperson and a 25% commission, that's my premise. Um, then that means 75% of it's going to the company. Mm -hmm. So... From my standpoint, that's a great thing. That's a win. That's seventy-five percent. Uh, you know, seventy-five cents you don't have for every dollar that comes in without that person. So you want that. That's a great thing. Now I realize I don't know what where this gentleman works, so I don't know what the I don't know what the structure is. But if you own a business or if you're operating a business and it's going well, and people, you know. Like, let's say, Jackson, in five years, you're able to buy a home and mm -hmm. take your pick of whatever nice area of St. Louis and have a nice car. Mm -hmm. I'd be thrilled. Yeah. Well, I'd be thrilled in general, even if we weren't working together, uh -huh. but operating on the assumption that we will be working together. Uh-huh. That means things have gone really well for you. Yeah. So that's a good thing. You want the people working with you to do well because it lifts all of the boats. Yep. So from my standpoint, so that's why I don't know if I can, I don't know what the situation was. And I don't know if it necessary, but I think on the the ambition shaming thing, I feel like it usually will come more from the outside in, and by that I mean outside a person's career, so not a peer mm -hmm. inside of a company. And that's somebody who just is kind of in a spot where they're like, "Fuck, I'm stuck and I'm pissed that somebody else can afford this or do this or whatever." And so it forces people to look inward as to why they even would give a shit why somebody is doing something that has no impact on them. Yeah. Which is, I think, how, I think how a lot of things have as toxic as 
political discussion has gotten over, I don't know when you would want to cite the beginning of that. I personally go back to the 90s, but I think more people either start it because they don't like Barack Obama in 2008 or they don't like Donald Trump, so they go 2016, whatever. I think it goes back to the 90s. But with that all said, uh, at least the, the birth of it, certainly it's been exacerbated by social media. But um, I think a lot, I, I don't, and I don't know what caused it. I'd like to tip my cap to whoever did kind of goes, oh, okay, you know what? I used to really be uncomfortable with homosexuality. I'm using that as an example. Uh, if someone would like to label me as anti-gay, that'll be a brilliant leap to make. Mm. The premise being this. I used to be uncomfortable with homosexuality, but now it's like, okay, I mean, I thought, I, if, if, if I personally am not looking to hook up with a guy, great. But how does it impact me at all if these two over here and they're happy? And what the, who gives a shit? Yeah. So it's not necessarily going, you know what? I've decided I'd like to try it. That's not, it just doesn't affect, affect mm-hmm. you. So you don't care. So who gives a shit? Yep, exactly. Well, I grew up and, you know, my grandfather was really against interracial marriage. And then you meet people and they have an interracial marriage or an interracial relationship. And you go, why the hell was that a thing? It yeah. was just born out of ignorance. Mm-hmm. And so you go, well, who the hell cares? In the whole scheme of things, who cares? A religious situation. Somebody is agnostic. Somebody is Catholic. Somebody is Christian. Somebody is Jewish. Somebody is Muslim. Whatever the case might be. So I, I now I could be wrong on this. I, I know that that is where I am, and I feel like it's aware a good portion of our audiences. And so maybe I'm in a bubble. So for a moment of self-awareness, what I think have have been advancements with regards to these kinds of issues. There might be people listening to this going, dude, that might be the way it is for you and the people you associate with. But if anything, it's gotten worse over the last 10 years or whatever, then maybe I'm off the mark. But that is that's how I that's how I think things have happened, that people kind of go, yeah, I don't really give a shit. I could be wrong. like another like let's let's for example gay marriage using that one because mm-hmm. I think that's something that everybody at least as far as the topic can go can relate to because keep in mind it was less than a decade ago that Barack Obama said he was on board with gay marriage mm-hmm. even it's 2021 that came out in 2012 yeah mistakenly because Joe Biden went on Meet the Press and he actually wound up beating his you know uh, his president to the punch with it yeah. Uh, but, the, I mean, so to give you an idea of where things are, but you kind of go, yeah, who gives a shit? What does it matter? Mm-hmm. What does it matter? And if anything, isn't it kind of mean if I'm not wanting somebody who is in love with somebody, even if it's not something I personally can relate to, just like they probably can't relate to me being attracted to a woman, it, that, that I wouldn't want that person to not have benefits should that person pass away or not be able to visit their spouse in the hospital if they're ill? Like, wouldn't that just be kind of like a fucking asshole thing? Yeah, definitely. Y- again, you, you might not get the thing, but who gives a shit? What does it matter? Like, these two guys get off by doing this, or these two ladies get off by doing this, or this heterosexual couple gets off by doing this. What? It doesn't impact you anyway. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's just bred out of ignorance. It's just purely ignorant to for someone to think of something that doesn't affect them in the slightest but really is beneficial but yet they want legislation for things that will impact those people who don't impact them in the exactly to exactly. not have the same rights yeah exactly and it's yeah it's bred out of ignorance and then fueled by continuous ignorance it's just ignorance feeding to, into ignorance so I, th- but I think I could, again I could be in some kind of bubble here. I'm really not, I'm like kind of not in any bubble. I'm in my own world. <laughs> um, 
But I think that that's the way that people think now. I don't know how, how often you hear this phrase. I feel like almost everybody says this, although I know that I definitely don't associate with those, not because out of choice, it's just not who I cross paths with, who would describe themselves as socially conservative. But this, socially liberal, fiscally conservative. Yeah, that's Don't you feel like, like you hear that like like for ninety percent of the population? Yeah, if you you could just go take a walking survey of Greektown and Mizzou, and that would be everyone's would answer. Be, yeah, that would be, the, that would be all the guys' the answer. In other words, I'm up for take your pick of whatever sexual activity and narcotics and getting shit face like gambling or whatever, and that's what yeah. people think of. And then you know, fiscal conservative. So, but I mean, you know, so so with regards to, I suppose it just kind of gets down to this insecurity i feel like so much of everything boils down to insecurity i feel like religion was born out of insecurity we're insecure about what happens after we die so we got to come up with stuff um the people in power are insecure about losing power so they come up with things and tell stories about hey you'll you know be penalized if you do this so you know by god so we'll do this that's that you know and or insecurity or sex it kind of it all it, it all you can all trace it all back to the, to, to one of those mm-hmm. um so, I don't with Derek's email. I don't know. I, I, you, you see it the same way I do, and I don't necessarily see it as a an ambition shaming St. Louis thing. But I, I'm, he he feels strongly about it. I don't. I Derek, maybe you can expound, kind of like the guy with the two part erotic story last <laughs> week. By the way, no erotic stories this week. Drat. You're hanging around hoping for somebody to weave a tale of lesbianism. <laughs> this one doesn't have it. Uh, let's see. Hello, Tim. Would you mind talking about your interest level and or involvement in investing? I don't think dollar amounts need to be discussed, but do you have a target asset mix? Oh, wow. This is like uh, Owen Wilson and Ben Stiller and Meet the Parents. <laughs> How's my portfolio? <laughs> strong to quite strong. Or do you more so set it and forget it? Do you invest in businesses via angel investing? Do you purposefully pick stocks, bonds, metals, etc. based on a guiding principle or invest in mutual funds? Are you at all interested in real estate as an asset class? I think that based on your passion for building businesses and your interest in gambling, it would seem logical that active investing would be a natural progression. I know that there are quite a few active investors, day traders, that are fans of the show and wondered if you have dabbled at all. There are people who are wondering what my portfolio is like. If you have dabbled at all or if you were low-key YOLOing bans on risky derivatives. Jackson, I don't, I don't know what the fuck I just read. I, I don't know what that whole sentence was. That might as well have been Mandarin Chinese. YOLOing bans on risky derivatives. Oh, the okay. assumption is that you're I know not that. an active investor. But I wanted to ask you instead of assuming. Thanks. That's from... The Lord of Lafayette. P.S. How about this, Jackson? P.S. You nailed it on the Jackson hire. Thanks, I would man. buy naked calls all day on his stock. That's the Lord awesome. of Lafayette. Thank people you. People are on board with you. Appreciate it. What do you think about that, Jackson? That feels like great. in a big way. Like people like. Don't get me wrong. People liked Pete. People like the Sea Monster. Um, and you, you always have the TMA cycle when somebody leaves the show. The show sucks now. And then, like, you know, a week later, forget about it. Yeah. But th- that's not a shot at anybody. I'm just saying that I've, I've seen this happen since yeah. Martin left the show in 2006. And then I read the same thing anytime there's any change. And then, you know, here we are in 2021. So, inevitably, uh, the show goes on. But, um, yeah, th- there's a passion for you that's that... Awesome. Uh, 
that I, I don't know that 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 hasn't uh, necessarily been there um, at, at all the time. And I, that's a tip of the cap to you. I don't Appreciate know what, it. I, yeah, it's really I, awesome. I enjoy your work, and I was very hesitant to give public endorsements for you because the people who want to skull fuck yeah, me, but skull yet, listen, yeah, I don't want to endorse you because then that can make you my guy and then they can't publicly talk about how they like you because then they don't want to be called a lemming do you understand how this works now? oh yeah no i get okay, the. i get to see how this works i get the dichotomy of it all and i appreciate those <laughs> who do enjoy me and like i said i've enjoyed every single listener i've ever every listener i've met what about harrison's brother master nathan I, from the east side of alton have yet to meet those gentlemen they seem like they would be the opposite of people who would come out to meet somebody they kind of seem like they like to dwell in their little area and and chirp. Uh, but even if I don't like them, I think their texts are pretty funny. So it's all good for the program. <laughs> what about Nate from Tallahassee? There's something about that name, Nathan. He's always, he's like the first person to text in. He is. Morning. I noticed that. I open up the text inbox and almost every morning he's already sent something in trying yeah. to frame the discussion. He almost is like a producer. Yeah. He's he trying really, to frame the discussion. The listeners are producers because they can They are. They, they truly are. They could text something in and that's what we'll talk about for 40 oh, minutes. So, and I love it that way. Yeah, it's so much better than trying to come up with topics beforehand. Yeah, I just have uh, no idea. Yeah. I think that gentleman, uh, Lord of Lafayette, who I appreciate the kind words, uh, I think when he said yoloing bands on something i believe that risky means, derivatives yeah so yoloing so you only live once so kind of taking a risk with thousands of dollars bands uh on risky derivatives that part i don't know but yoloing bands would be uh being free with giving away thousands of dollars well you say giving away i say investing because especially <laughs> as the head of the tam avenue capital partners yeah. it's important that i say investing and not giving away sure um but uh here is I'll answer the question. Uh, here is how I handle it. I send money to my guy. Yep, that's it. <laughs> Let the pros handle it. I mean, it's just I I I feel like an important thing. Again, this this podcast really should become Tim's lack of self awareness talking about his awareness um, because I still think there's a great deal of uh, lack of self awareness as I talk about my awareness. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that that comes with Doing something for a while is be, being aware of what it is that you think you're decent at, and also maybe more importantly, being aware of the things that you're not good at. Yep. Um, and it's just not a strength. It's not a strength. I don't really have a great understanding of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's good to say. I don't really give a shit. It's the truth. So you know, do with it what you want. Um, and then I've found people who are. And then I send my money to them, and that, and you know, you, I watch it. I watch it, uh, the performance certainly, but you know, that's how I work, and I'm very happy with it. And that's the way that I personally work. I, it, to me, and this could be wrong, um, I budget personally, and I make sure that I am setting aside, you know, a certain percentage to make sure that I am setting it aside. Um, that's, that's, that's the thing when I talk about Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies, for example, uh, evergreenwealthstl.com. Or is it Evergreen STL? Now that I fucked it up in a live read, now I'm, it's in my head as to whether or not it's Evergreen STL. I think it's Evergreen STL. It is. It's evergreenstl.com. It's not yeah. evergreenwealthstl.com. 
uh, Mark Hanna Evergreen Wealth Strategies. I just went there, and I'm looking at it right now. So I absolutely know that's the case. The number is 314-889-0503. And you're working with him now, Jackson. Oh, yeah. I'm loving every second of it. Yeah, God. I mean, it's just, it's that's, when I, when I talk about, like, my mistakes financially at a young age and how I wish I had somebody like Mark when I was 23, it isn't necessarily... You know, because I'm going, oh, my God, I've you know, got this debt over my head. Not that. It's like I could have been in such a better spot if I just would have been aware of essentially compound interest. That's basically it. Mm-hmm. That, that you set aside money and it benefits you so much more. I'm so lucky, by the way. I, I've, I've probably asked you about this just because it's the thing that, that is at the forefront of my mind anytime I talk about my ignorance and going, holy shit, I can't believe how ignorant I was. Uh, or still am, probably, but this is one of the things I've become aware of my ignorance, the 529. Have I brought that up with you? Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure. You know what sure. I'm talking about? No, I don't know what the 529 okay, is. The most 529, Missouri State 529, that's what I believe. I don't even know if that's what it stands for. I, uh, but it's the college fund, you know, if you look oh, at Missouri. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Missouri's 529 education plan, Missouri most. I think my son was already born and I, I don't know who it was who said, hey, are you, you know, what are you doing with your 529? And I would go, the fuck's that? <laughs> you know, and yeah. then they showed me, like, how it works. Now, if you want to send your son to somewhere like Missouri, here's how much you need to set aside. And if you want to send your son to, you know, mm-hmm. you aspire for something, you know, in the higher end, Whoa. here's how much you need to set aside. And I go, oh, my fucking God, I wasn't planning on this. And I'm 40 mm-hmm. when he was born. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that. And I'm sure there's some of you listening in your mid-20s who have kids, and you're going, yeah, dude, what the hell? You know? And, and by the way, you should be. It is, it's, it's, it's embarrassing. I guess I didn't need to know. I didn't have any kids. So, But the fact that I didn't know is embarrassing. That's why you need somebody like Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies, evergreenstl.com. But um, it's just budgeting. Just setting it aside, going, okay, this is how much I'm going to spend. And that was something my dad was so good at. And this is before I think he was even married or had any of us, as in me and my brothers and sister. And that's just what he did. And it was smart, but his situation was different. His dad died when he was 16, and so things changed immediately for for uh, him and my uncle and, and my two aunts and, and my grandma. Immediately, now you have to pay attention to things that at, at 16, most 16-year-olds aren't thinking of and that's the world that that he lived in and his mom grew up in the depression so mm-hmm. i think that also is something that our parents uh their parents dealt with um and so that's that's a difference that's a that's a world changer as far as mindsets go and saving money but not necessarily saving but setting it because saving i think that saving kind of sounds like a mark thing you're going mm-hmm. to save money no, you're setting aside money, and then you're going to do something with it, ideally for some semblance of passive income um, and accumulating wealth. And that's what I didn't do. And that is just, it, it, I, I, tru- I like doing the Marcana spot because I like talking to people about it so they don't repeat my mistake, but it always takes me into a dark place because then I think about just like how irresponsible I was, and that really, truly tilts me. So anyway, make sure you don't do what I did and uh, go to evergreenstl.com and work with Mark Hanna. Jackson's doing it at 23. He's doing the right thing. But as far as uh, what the question was, um, 
Yeah, I uh, that's that's what I do, and I and it's working, and it's I don't understand the other stuff at all. I don't really have an interest in understanding it, mm-hmm. so I can't like if I'm not interested. It's kind of like the podcast. It's kind of like the radio show. If I'm not interested in it, I'm not going to be good at it. I'm not going to talk about it well. I'm not going to. It just doesn't doesn't do it for me. Now, if I do suddenly get interested in it, then I become obsessive about yeah, it. Watch see out. poker, see yeah. golf, uh, see daily fantasy sports. The daily fantasy sports thing was getting to a point where I was about to say, "Boys, I just can't. It, it, I, I thought I could. I thought I could make it work. I can't make it work. I just. I got. I got. I. You know. I got to say, we're disbanding. And I'm telling you, right around when I was thinking that is when the when everything turned around. Yeah, that's um, how it works. Yeah, but I mean, it was true. It was. It, but it, but it's because it was. It was just an understanding of things. I think mm-hmm. I said it on the podcast. It was like when I learned about something as simple as the continuation bet in poker, um, how it changed for me, and now how this is uh, how this has changed. PGA Championship this week. Looking forward uh, to it. Are you going uh, DraftKings? Are you just betting, or what are you doing? I'll do DraftKings, and then what I like to do is another reason I love playing golf in Illinois outside of kind of just. Oh, because you can do some wagering. Because you can do some wager. I did for March Madness. Did made some nice coin, and so hopefully I'll get to play sometime this week out there. Maybe not with the rain, but I might. I might just head over, go to a gas station, and lay some action down, and then drive back. So you over can bet there. at a gas station in Illinois. I mean, on your phone, you can as long as you're within the state limit. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. You can yeah. just you can just yeah you know, sit there for five. My buddy lives in like right in the south. South County, and he just drives over five minutes, lays down some bets, and goes back. The problem is you got to cash out in Illinois as well. So once you make the money, you got to go back to get the money. Uh, but that's just another reason I love playing golf in Illinois. How about that? God bless America. Yeah. So um. Yeah, the draft. I, I I love it. I love now the process of it. Now we mm-hmm. have had three straight weeks where we've legitimately had a sweat to win $200,000. Yeah. And uh, you know, one of the, I guess it was the Valspar where we finished in 6th place and one whatever the hell that was. I think the prize for that one was I don't know what it was, 10,000 I think. So it's starting to happen. But inevitably you're going to have like I mean this week Taint Lee. Yeah, Jesus. But here's the thing, my wizard sends over the ownership things um and I, I, mean, I remember when I was building the lineups for this past week, and I, I, I saw him. I think he was 6,900. Let me pull up one of those spreadsheets that I uh, proudly showed you. What was the name of the event? Oh, the Byron Nelson was this week. Nurse, 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 nurse. Let's see what taint was. I think he was 6,900. And I want to see what the ownership projection was that I had. Now, his real name is K. Lee, yeah. right? K.H. Lee. K.H. Hong Lee. Uh, he was 6,900 with 5.3 percent. That was the projection, and that is, I think, I think almost exactly what he wound up being owned. Mm-hmm. Now, with the benefit of playing it back, that should have that should have flashed to me mm-hmm. that there was a reason why a guy that inexpensive had that size ownership percentage. Mm-hmm. So that should have stood out to me to at least give me consideration. Um, because because I was like God, I bet one percent of the fields on him, and as it turned out, I think we wound up being close to six percent was actually the number. Yeah, and I'm sure some of you are listening to this, and you play DraftKings or FanDuel, and you're going, "Why do you even talk about this shit?" And all I can tell you is, is as far as the ownership percent, 
And here is the thing. It's it's everything. Mm-hmm. It's everything. It's the game. It's the game. And and it's like I don't want I don't want to go into the details which might piss people off for those of you who do do it and then others of you just fast forward through this part anyway. But that that is the game. That is why we have now turned it around is the ownership percentage thing which again is so fucking basic. It's so chapter 1. That if you don't get it, you're just donating every week. And I guess you can hit. Don't get me wrong. You can hit. But the chances of hitting, you know. And I was communicating with the Wizard. For example, Scotty Scheffler this past week wound up being owned, like I think, well, in the $555 game we were in, by 40% of the rosters. Mm-hmm. Uh, 40%. And the ownership percentage I had him on was 21%. Uh, now, and, and those are based off like the big ga- the big cheap games, the $15, $200,000 first prize. Um, but in that one, the ownership percentage was off by almost 50% because he was owned by, I think, 30% of the rosters. Mm-hmm. And once you have that, you're really in a tough spot unless he wins. Otherwise, you now have basically, sure, I mean, he might play well and do top 20, but for spending that much and having a player that, you know, four out of ten rosters have, or three out of ten rosters have, you have no leverage on them. So the goal can't be guys who make the cut. I mean, if you want to win, uh, you know, the the goal has to be the construction of lineups and ownership percentages, and that actually matters, I think, more than what the golfer will will wind up doing, which I know sounds counterintuitive, but it, as far as winning goes, sure, I mean... I don't know who the I, I haven't built out anything yet. I haven't seen ownership percentage projections for the PGA Championship. Who do you think will be most the most highly owned player? Action Jackson. Oh, I feel like Bryson will probably be up there, and maybe I mean, Rory's too expensive to be the highest owned player. I bet he's going to be high-owned. He'll be definitely high-owned, but the highest, I'm not sure. Um, See, I see the price. I've already done my spreadsheet with the prices and the names. uh, Um, Morikawa, just because he won last year. I mean, I don't put any stock into it. I was going to say Xander, but he was super low-owned in the last event he played. Interesting. Kepko uh, is at 9,500. I bet he'll be incredibly low owned. Yeah, I think people just with the that, injury. That'd actually be one worth putting on rosters just to take a flyer on. Yeah, but definitely. See, that's not that's not a game theory thing. That's an that's an injury thing. That's uh-huh. a different deal with him. Yeah, definitely. Spieth's at 10,100. Yeah. I would bet you're going to have a lot of Spieth. Definitely a lot of Spieth. That would be the one that I would imagine because he's the f- sixth highest cost player. Uh-huh. So you're not going up to the Rory eleven thousand five hundred. Spieth is ten thousand one hundred. So you're not, you're not psychologically going. I'm taking the most expensive guy, and then you just feel like he's a machine right now. I mean, the flip over the last two months for Jordan Spieth, yeah, and no public's approval. Uh, I could see Zalatoris at eighty eight hundred. Mm, definitely. Matsuyama, super chalky play. But Matsuyama this past week was six percent. Everybody was fading him. Interesting. Yeah. But I feel like once you uh, a major comes in, you're introducing a lot more fish into the draft pool. Oh, sure, hundred percent. Yeah, for the millionaire maker and Hovland at ninety three hundred, I bet that'll be that's what makes him the eleventh most expensive player. So I bet I bet he'll be chalky. Yeah, Cantlay will probably be super low owned because he is not playing well right now. Paul Casey. Paul Casey is only seventy seven hundred. Yep, that'll be a, a value. There, there's some value out there. There's crazy value out there. I mean, shit, you can get, you know, 
who was it? Somebody like at seven. Oh, Ricky Fowler, seven thousand. I mean, I know he's on a what he got a special exemption to get to play, but oh yeah. my, Ricky Fowler is hovering in this in near the sixes now. It's crazy. Uh, Kokrak for a course that's playing eight thousand yards at him at seventy one hundred. Tringali at seventy one hundred. Mm. Strikes me as that's going to be. I'm anxious to see these if I'm on on these projections. Keegan Bradley's been playing well. I know he folded up at the Vals Bar in the back, but seventy three hundred for him. Yeah. Um, I I always need to know if Lee Westwood has his fiance on his bag or his mm-hmm. son. If he has his fiance, he plays better. He had to have had his fiance on his bag this past weekend. I didn't see any highlights. Yeah, neither. I swear I need to find that information out. <laughs> dumb as it is. Anyway, how the fuck did we get on this? That should be there. Should be like a tree of the topics <laughs> on this podcast. To like follow how we get to things. Somebody asked about my portfolio and to show why I'm such a savvy investor. I I segued into DraftKings <laughs> flowchart. Yeah, flowchart. Yeah. Yep, yep, there you go. That, that, that tells you all you need to know, actually, Lord of Lafayette, that you don't <laughs> want to do what I do. That's what it tells you. Uh, let's see what we got here. Tim, longtime listener, occasional texter, first-time emailer. I am truly intrigued slash perplexed about how often you mention the amount of people who listen to TMA and the podcast who truly dislike you and do so just to hate on you. Is this really a thing that is somewhat common? The fact that someone would listen to a radio show with a host they truly dislike to only hate on that said host is a weird character trait to me and a rather odd way to spend one's time. I consider myself conservative and right-leaning on most political issues, which I know doesn't really line up with anyone on the program other than Doug. Yeah, I would say it does line up with Doug. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't tune in to TMA for politics, which they are rarely really uh, even discussed. In depth, that is. I enjoy the idiotic humor and lack of any structure to the show. If I didn't enjoy the show or if I disliked you, why the fuck would I listen? (laughs) Great question. I understand if this is a question you don't want to answer, but I thought since it's on QFTA and not TMA, maybe you would address it. Taste me, Jackson. That's from Grover. (laughs) Everybody's kind of giving a sign-off to you now, I've noticed. It's awesome. uh, So, well, this this is not something that's unique to TMA. No, I was just about to say that. Do you know? Do you know where I'm going? Let's yeah. see how much we're on the same page. People hate listen to. If you're like a liberal, you hate listen to take a take your pick of. So you can go tell your friends. Did you hear what this person said today? And on the flip side, if you're a conservative, you watch or listen to take your pick of any liberal pundit. So you can tell your all your friends. Did you hear this? This and that. It's just it's people hate listen or hate. And then watch. there's also this move now. There, there's this cottage industry of conservatives acting like they're liberals or liberals yeah. acting like they're conservatives. Yeah. And then they can be, I'm a conservative. But did you hear what the conservative said that supports my liberal point? Or did you hear what the the liberal said, but he has the conservative point. And yeah. you can pick and I bet you already know. I'm not looking for you to name names in the audience. This is to see if the audience is on the same page. If who I'm uh, guessing, one's a female, one's a male. Um, but it's a it's a tactic and it's a it's a business strategy. That's why you can't take it seriously. I love the fact I do take pride in the fact that so often I have people when it comes to political topics give me the compliment that they feel like I am being honest, mm. even if they disagree with me. Mm-hmm. That to me is a because it's because it is what I know. I know personally, I'm not just saying something to try to make money. I'm just talking. Mm-hmm. With a, with if anything, I don't know if you and I have talked about it, Jackson, as we've talked about you know career decisions, but I've certainly talked about it with my wife. I am not. Mo- I know it horrifies my father. I am not motivated by money. Mm-hmm. It's just not where I am. I do not want to go balls to the wall to, 
you know, to either make as much as possible, and some might see that as a flaw, or something might sound like insane to somebody, or, or like sell my soul and like basically become a character to make as much as possible. Mm-hmm. I feel like I could do it. I feel like I could. I I I know this. It isn't intended to sound cocky. It isn't. Follow the train of thought, though. Mm-hmm. This is the train of thought, because at this moment, it's going to be a poker analogy. I've been the guy who's folded on the button when the action folds to me for uh, almost 20 years, but with TMA, 17 years. So I've built up a, um, an Im- a table image, as they say in poker, of being tight, as they would say in poker. This has nothing to do with radio. But the, tab- the image is that I am the straight shooter, you know, might be a pervert, uh, agnostic, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But in, in, in my perceived success will drive some people up the wall. Probably the you know Grover writing in about because I didn't color inside the lines. And mm-hmm. A lot of people were raised to color inside the lines, and then here I am coloring outside the lines, and it drives them up the wall. So whatever, fine, fuck it. Who cares? What does it matter? It doesn't affect their lives, but it bothers. Whatever. And then you go, okay, I see what this person does, and I see what this person does, and now I have the credibility that if I wanted all of a sudden spin it and go, okay, I found God, and you know, start giving a bunch of socially conservative takes. I could be the guy who used to be the pervert, but now I found God and now I can do that. And I think I can be a millionaire or taking it a different route. You know, I'm the guy who, you know, I go, yeah, this stuff with the social media and like, you know, calling out certain things. And I think it's just destroying, you know, some policies that would be considered liberal policies, but people can't vote for Democrats because they're like, I can't get on board with this stupid shit or this stupid shit cause. And then I can call attention to that, and then I can be that guy. Well, I used to be this guy, but now I'm that guy. And then you can become that move. That move is the move that I have seen executed here very well. Again, I, I think you're selling your soul to do it. But if, you, if that's the goal, you know, and I think you can rationalize it by going, yeah, yeah I, I, well, fine, I'll tell you I did it. I'll admit that I'm, I'm, you know, this is a Vince McMahon character that I'm doing. But, you know, I have a wife and I have kids and... You know, now I'm a multimillionaire because I did it. And you can then, therefore, justify it. I'm not, I'm, all I'm saying is I'm not interested in doing that. Yeah. That's, that's what I am saying. I recognize the playbook. I get the playbook. I'm just not interested in doing it. Um, you know, I mean, like when it came to COVID, for example, you know, I said what I thought. And I feel like, you know, not that it matters because all of us at the time were guessing. And I guess in some capacity, we still don't know really, really, really what's going to happen Mm because it's not like it's really, 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 really over. It's certainly more over than it was five months ago. But I'm not going to say shit just to say shit just to like, okay, well, I'm going to line up on the other side of this person. And then I know I'm going to get listeners or viewers, which is what I felt like what essentially what was going on. It wasn't that way the first couple of weeks of the thing when it was going on in the United States, March 12th, March 13th-ish, whenever people want to cite the start date. But then a couple of weeks in, it became a political thing. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah, which is I, I think there are people knowingly lying to their audience because it will ingratiate them to a certain political mindset. Mm-hmm. And to me, I don't care if somebody said, I'll wire you $5 million if you do that. I wouldn't have done it. Now, that doesn't make me a hero at all. Some might say, well, you're fucking stupid. I do that in a heartbeat. But to me, it's blood money. Yeah. I it's blood money. And it's like not even a sweat. It's blood money. I built up my hashtag brand. Whatever the fuck that is. I haven't said that all my life. All of a sudden, now we're talking about building people's brands. But whatever. Yes. Absolutely could have. 
wouldn't do it though mm-hmm. because I'm lying. I'm knowingly lying. And there's no way that I believe that some of the people who are saying some of the things that they were saying really thought the things that they were saying. Oh, yeah. But for their business model, it absolutely worked. People Fine. Are- I knew not to believe them. Yeah. So it wasn't like, oh, this is enlightening that he's saying this or she is saying this. That's provocative. No. It was, here, let me, you're in my bubble. Here, I'll jerk you off and you'll, you know, spread the word and share my links and I make more money. Yeah, I mean, it's people are becoming archetypes more than they are becoming personalities. Define archetype for me, even though I fancy myself as an educated man. Like, okay, I'm going to be this, like, younger conservative guy who's just going to speak this way about all these issues. I won't look at these issues individually. I just, I have to pick the team and go with it. Like, I'm not going to judge issue by issue. I'm going to be this guy. I'm right. Be so therefore, okay. So what you're saying right there is, I think that I think the compliment that I get is that I'm not that guy. No, you you're not fitting into an archetype. Right. And to me, those are the people I want to read or I want to listen to. Uh-huh. That to me, like, and, and going, okay, fuck it. I know you're going to hate me, or you're going to disagree with me. Fine, but this is what I truly think. Mm-hmm. Before there is an before I even hear a person speak, if I know the issue, I know I can go to their twitter timeline or their podcast or their radio show i already know what they're going to say about it mm-hmm. and, and i mean not only do i find that incredibly boring it's incredibly transparent yeah exactly but it's making money mm-hmm. so no if doubt. that is and like i said you can rationalize you know i think you always can it's almost like a mafioso well i'm taking care of my family you know so that's how you can rationalize and to each their own some, so I'm sure, so let me, let me try, attempt to have some self-awareness on my end. I am sure, I think anyway, I don't know if it goes on as much anymore because you really don't need to listen to a, a show or a station because there's so many options. Back in the day, you could kind of get stuck with something because you want to listen to KFNS and it was the only sports talk station and all of a sudden you got me and Martin and the cat talking about, you know, God only knows what <laughs> people are, especially the olds at that time, it drove them up a wall, man. Yeah. <laughs> um but now it's like, okay, if you don't like TMA, then, you know, you got Randy Carricker and Michelle Smallman on at the exact same time, or you got national stuff or podcasts. Yeah. Like, how can you be hate listening, which yeah. is what this gentleman asked about. Um, but some people might, oh, well, you, you, you talk about porn or you talk about sex, you know, and you know that that's something. But it's like, it's truly, like if you were at my home, <laughs> <laughs> it's truly something that I have a great deal of interest in. I'm not necessarily proud of it. It's just it happens to be honest. Yeah. I'm not I'm not waving the flag for pornography. It just happens to be for whatever reason something I'm interested in. And it's something that my wife hates. I think there are a lot of couples way more so than I think I was aware of actually um until I don't know, in the last couple of years where the woman truly is into it. Mm-hmm. I did have a significant other back in the day who was truly into it, but not like, oh, I guess we would watch it occasionally. But it was more for her. And mm, by the way, girl-girl wow. activity, too. And that was her quote-unquote material. And she wasn't, like, shy about it. She was like, this is what, I, this is what gets me off. Great. Yeah. Let's, let's see if we can really bring this into real life is what I was saying. <laughs> but, that, that's, but, but, but in my home, my wife hates it hate like truly hates it like if she happens to walk by and on my laptop i'm like you know 
reading some news on avn.com and the fact <laughs> that i even read porn news on avn.com is fucked up <laughs> but i do yeah. i mean i truly do oh, let's mm-hmm. see what the latest is with this release i mean what a fucking creep <laughs> but, and my wife will walk by and she's i mean we did that at this point 13 years yeah have our big 10th anniversary, uh, 10th wedding anniversary coming up in November. Yeah. And she's always like, get a fucking life. That's, ex- and I, oh, I did the tone right too. I've heard it so many times. <laughs> get a fucking life. That's what it is. It's like, she doesn't say, what are you doing? Don't, she's just like, I'm just, she's just defeated. <laughs> <laughs> she knows it's not going to stop. Yeah. But yet when we've been around, you know, Caden Cross, Ariana Marie, who else has been a part of our, uh circle over over time you know where we're like truly hanging out with these people away mm-hmm. from work couldn't be that they're just people it didn't give oh lisa ann obviously Fuck, yeah. lisa ann just thinks the world of lisa and lisa ann thinks the world of anna marie um so it's not like it's a judgy thing she just doesn't like it well not only do i like it i'm really interested in the business of it yeah and i don't know so i'm sure so getting back to the point i'm sure that at some point, I don't know if it's going on now, there were people who didn't like to see me have, again, I always used the term perceived success because I think they thought I did this porn thing to, you know, become like a rebel. And so I sold out. I, you know, I actually, there was, I, I don't, well, I know the last name. I don't know the first name. The last name is well known in St. Louis sports. Um, and I think also went to St. Louis U High, uh, and it got a few different people have told me how much this guy hates me. <laughs> like, it's almost like a because I've never met the guy, uh-huh. but would say now this has been a few years, just this hatred for me and how I wasted my St. Louis U High education. Oh God! By doing what I do. Oh my God! For real, that's great that you th- that's your reaction, especially coming from, you know, albeit, of course, Horton Watkins, but nonetheless, uh, a public school. That that, that that was like, you know, if you go to St. Louis U High, you're gifted this crown. Oh. We all have a responsibility to, God. you know, to use our brilliance. You know, I mean, so fuck, dumb. I guess I tested well when I was 12, you know, yeah. and so. But either way, uh, to, to me, I would say I did. I'm happy. I love what I do. Mm-hmm. I've built, you know, some companies and have worked with people and, you know, I yeah. like to think I have a pretty decent reputation of the people with whom I work. No doubt. And I, you know, to me, isn't that kind of the game? But I think it's the sex thing. So how does this tie back into Grover's question about hate listening? I, it goes on. And where I was going, which is where I thought you were going, Jackson, mm-hmm. albeit it's a movie that, what year were you born? 1998. 19, a year that was a movie. The movie was made the year before you were born. Uh-huh. It came out in '97, which was Howard Stern's Private Parts. Mm-hmm. And there's a scene in the movie. You've seen it, right? I've never seen Private Parts. No. Oh my god. Yeah, I gotta get on. I that. have to give you an assignment. Yeah, I gotta watch it. You absolutely have to watch it. No doubt. Holy shit! I mean, that's that's like the movie that like basically put me here. All right, for real. I'll check it out for sure. That was that. That's the movie that put me here. And it's about 100%. Howard Stern, right? Hundred yeah. percent. I, I actually, I saw, for some reason, I saw it in Lawrence, Kansas. I have no idea. I would visit my buddy who who uh, went to KU, the great mm-hmm. Dr. Jack Nierman, and I'm pretty sure it came out in '97. I guess you can uh, yeah pull that check on that. But uh, I guess we were up there, me and my girlfriend at the time, and I guess like it might have been our spring break. 
speaks volumes for my social life. <laughs> <laughs> that I went Lawrence, to Lawrence. Kansas. And, and they stayed, and they're, they're, our, our spring breaks didn't overlap, but we just went there to hang out. And I was Lawrence, Kansas, a fucking nerd. Um, and I guess we had time, and I think we went and saw that. And I remember walking out of there going, God, that's exactly, that's, that's exactly what I want to do. Yeah. That's exactly what I want to do. It came out pretty. Ninety-seven. Yeah, March seventh, ninety-seven. So basically, three hundred and sixty-nine or three hundred and seventy days before I was born. There you go. Yep, forty-one million dollar box office, twenty-eight million dollar budget. You've got to watch that. Yeah, I know the Blues are playing the playoffs, so (laughs) maybe as opposed to watching that, you can watch private parts. No doubt. Since tonight there's game one and there isn't an NBA game, right? Yeah, there's no, yeah, NBA. So tonight's over. the night. I would love for you to watch that. I'm going to, no doubt. Cause if, it, it, cause, but, but it wasn't like, like, don't get me wrong, the lesbian element of it is a, is a thing. But I was interested in lesbianism well before I saw the Howard Stern thing. Yeah. As I think most heterosexual men are, not to the length I am. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but um, it was the thing, there's a scene, well, I'm going to say it. Otherwise, if it were just me and you bullshitting, I'd say there was a scene and you're going to know exactly what the scene is mm-hmm. when you see it. And then you're going to go, oh, that's it. That was it. But he's doing a live read for a sporting goods company and they don't have the copy. And so he just starts ad-libbing like how oh, I used to love going there with my uh, with my parents when I was a kid. And then Fred Norris, playing mm-hmm. himself, hands him the copy and then he starts reading and he goes, oh, and grand opening is tomorrow night. And so he is exposed to the audience as having just completely lied to him. Yeah. And he says, you know what? I just got caught. I'll never do that again. Now, I know that that was done to like kind of tie the whole thing together. That probably didn't happen that way. But the mm-hmm. whole premise was to drive home that he didn't want to be dishonest with his audience, which was disappointing to me when I, I don't know if I had Artie on the podcast, Artie Lang, or if, or if it was me and Artie doing a show together where he said something along, it might have been, I don't know, I don't remember, I, I just remember hearing this person say, Howard Stern has always said, you never admit you were wrong on the radio. Which, but, it be, but, if you're, but then that means he'd be lying. Yeah. See, I feel like it's important to admit you were wrong. Yeah, that's probably braver than trying to like get everything right, is to admit, be able to admit when you're wrong. Or acknowledge you don't know. I don't fucking know. Yeah. You know? Both those. I saw on the fan page, people were wondering about the origin of six. Like when I say six to anything. Mm -hmm. And there is a premise. This this actually came from Rich Gould. Rare teaching moment from Rich. But he said something along the lines of, don't ask a question that we don't know the answer to. In other words, now this is back when Rich and I were doing a show together in 2002. And I literally just started because we only did a couple months together. But... um, but he said, because then that makes the host look, you know, like we don't know what we're talking about. But I was mm-hmm. sitting there thinking, as he was saying, that, I'm like, but we don't, you know, I yeah. mean, not, not on everything, but on a lot of things, we don't know the answer. So what's wrong with like asking the audience if they happen to know, mm-hmm. you know, this is 2002. So things weren't as easily accessible as. And so it's just kind of one of those things when I feel like the uh, we break an unwritten rule in radio of, uh, you know, how many how many games did the Cardinals uh, lose over the last three weeks? Well, let's say six. It's <laughs> I have no fucking clue. It's an it's essentially my own personal inside joke. Somebody was theorizing it came from a, a sh- the office, the show yeah, The I Office. Didn't, I didn't get that. 
I took a oh, look did at you that. See, you know the thread I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, I looked at the thread and it, someone says it's from the office. I was like, mm, I don't know. It's, it, no, it's my so. own joke. Yeah. It's, and it's just a dumb thing. Yeah, I'm know? sure you it's said it own. one time and then it just was what you became <laughs> saying for It's like the story years. about how the cat become the cat. And I'm like, yeah. oh, here it is. My dad called John and Leighton, Johnny the cat Leighton, and the cat was filling in, you know, and I, yeah. and I didn't know what to call him. <laughs> yeah, there's no Batman <laughs> origin stories here. It's a terrible story, but it's the truth. Yeah. So, yes, if anybody ever asks how six came to be it was just my own it, it is still my own personal uh thing getting to the the hate listing thing in stern so there's that scene and then there is a scene in which the gm who they were hoping to fire him and again i know this was you know some poetic license taken in the scene but the the sales manager comes in and goes you won't believe it his ratings are up people who love stern they're up 34%. I'm taking numbers out of nowhere here. Mm-hmm. And then she goes, played by Allison Janney. I think it was played by Allison Janney. Uh, the GM was played by Allison Janney. Mm-hmm. She goes, what about people who hate him? That's the weird thing. He's up 52% with the people who hate him. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's the truth. I always figured you knew exactly what I was talking about anytime we talk about the hate listening thing. No, yeah. And no. I, I, now, I, because that, that scene in Stern, which so many people in radio have since used i don't think and i think that was more common when radio was a necessity in the 90s and 2000s and i guess part of the teens mm-hmm. but you know that's not necessarily the way the game is played anymore with podcasts and that's been something that's really become mainstream here over the last five years but that the hate listening thing for the life of me even though i'm aware of it and it probably has benefited me mm-hmm. and benefited our show Mm-hmm. I have no idea the psychology of it because, you know, you talk about Jackson, mm-hmm. people, you know, they hate this person. And so then they cite whatever they said, you know, conservative hates what the liberal says, the liberal hates what the conservatives and they cite what they said. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I guess you can do that in social media to try to take the person out or try to make the person look bad or whatever the case might be. But so help me. Now, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe somebody can go, Tim, you can say that, but you did used to listen to this show and you acknowledged you hated it or you watched this show and you acknowledged you hate it. For the life of me, if I don't like a show, I don't listen to it. I don't give it a second, not because I'm like, oh, it's going to help their ratings because that's not the way ratings work. I think people think that if they turn something on, it impacts ratings. It has nothing to do with it. Um, I'm, I'm either bored by it Mm-hmm. Or I just don't like the person or what I think the person's doing, which is the Kabuki theater I just made reference to earlier on in the podcast, like, you know, being disingenuous to their audience, but for the purpose of making money, lying to them. Um, and I think that business model has become, you know, more popular over the last decade. I don't think that was going on as much with the Stern era. Mm-hmm. But I've never turned on a, a show with somebody who. Like, I hate the show, but then I'm listening to it. So the hate-listen phenomenon is not something I understand at all. I just know it exists. I don't think it exists as much as it does now. And I think with TMA, and I think this is an important kind of, you know, disclaimer, with TMA, first off, with TMA, period, you have basically, you know, a variety of characters that go beyond the hosts and producers and, mm-hmm. you know, texters are, carriers, ca- are characters, callers are characters. It's not constructed that way, but it's the way that it has wound up being. Yeah. So you can love Doug. 
especially if like you love his politics, which is one of the things that was brought up here. To me, I, that's not something that I think about, but I, mm-hmm. I know for some people it is. Um, and you love Doug and you love his politics. Well, then there's a good chance that you certainly don't agree with me on politics. And then there's also a good chance then that you don't like me as the person I am on the radio. Now, what people then will then assign is I don't like Tim as a person. And then to justify it, they will then come up with things that become these St. Louis gossip things. And that can be with Doug, too. Or, yeah, I ran into Doug and he was, you know, I ran into Iggy and he was doing this or whatever. The, you know, the things mm-hmm. that, and then the person just gets shit on forever. And, you know, but that. That, so it's different. So yeah. if, in other words, if I were just doing a show by myself and somebody listened to that and they hate me, that that would really fall on the I don't understand area. Yeah, I don't get that. With, you know what I'm saying? With yeah. TMA, there's so many different personalities and age ranges. I mean, you got somebody in their 20s, somebody in their 30s, somebody in their 40s, uh, and then two people in their 60s. Yeah. So, so, you know, and when, when the range. cat's around, you got somebody in their 50s. Yeah. Uh, so you kind of got, you know, as far as age ranges in perspective, you certainly don't have difference on gender or race, but, you you know, you have you have different perspectives, different Definitely. ideologies. Mm-hmm. So I can get listening to TMA and not liking somebody. I get that. Yeah, List, sure. Going out of your way to listen to this podcast and not liking me that is something that probably requires a look inside. Yeah, that would be that would be strange to just listen to you for an hour and a half and just be pissed the whole time. But I do think it goes on. For now, sure. I don't think it goes on as much with the radio for that reason because I think some people are like, "Well, I really I think Iggy's hilarious." Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, yeah, Tim, I can take or leave him or whatever. Or Doug, I can't stand the politics, you know, or whatever the case might be, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But that that's different listening to so i would get it on the stern show to an extent because he always had a crew around him he still has a crew around yeah like a cast yeah like for me Artie was my favorite person on the stern show Mm -hmm. but i recognize that howard's the one who makes Artie. you know yeah because Artie's Artie's the sharpshooter he's the sniper Uh you know so Artie needs to be set up. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. So you have to re- you understand that, you know, it's kind of a push and pull dynamic. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as far as hating how many people really know me, but it's like, oh, I met him at a TMA Live. Yeah. And so now like, you're yeah, best friends. And I guarantee you, I was trying to get home <laughs> ASAP. <laughs> We've been doing TMA Live since 2017. You know what happened in 2017? My wife was pregnant and I had a baby. And we're doing these things up until 9.30 at night, and then I go to bed, or I help her put him to bed, because he still didn't go to bed until 11 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then I get up at, at 5 in the morning. So, you know, I'm not... Doug Doug doesn't get a whole lot of chances to not be anchoring sports at 10 o'clock. That would be Doug's time to go out and hang out. Different yeah. approaches. Yep. So, because we had somebody theorize that, oh, you, you would get out of TMA Lives real quickly, whereas Doug would hang around. Maybe that's why I'm like, well, if that's, if that's how somebody judges me after listening to me and having my life written about for 17 years, then so be it. Yeah. Because I don't hang around TMA Lives. I don't really think that's what it really gets down to. But as far as that goes, it's not unique to TMA. It's not unique to this podcast. Hate listening is a thing. I just don't, I, when it gets down to it, I don't understand 
the psychology of listening or watching something you don't like. Mm -hmm. And if you are a hate listener, and I'm not even talking about with this show because we tried to figure out what it is the thing that's out there that people think about me that isn't true but they think is true and to try to have a deep dive and we never got anywhere on it. Got a lot of theories. But, but let's say you hate listen to a show. I'm asking why. I'm not judging. I'm trying to understand it because it definitely is a thing. As Grover asks about why in the hell would somebody do that, I don't know. I would imagine people hate listen to Rush Limbaugh. Yeah. I, would, I mean, it had to happen that way. People hate watch CNN or they hate watch Fox News. Yeah, yeah. But I think in 2021, it's more they see a clip of Tucker Carlson yeah. saying something or they see a clip of Rachel Maddow saying something. Mm -hmm. And then they'll post it on you know, a Facebook page and then they're like owning the libs or, you know, owning the MAGAs. You know, mm -hmm. with, with like oh, Tucker Carlson said this, so doesn't this make you feel dumb for liking Donald Trump? Or Rachel Maddow said this, doesn't this make you feel dumb for liking Joe Biden or whatever? I mean, whatever the, the game is. That, that's something. That's something I can relate to. Over the last, ever since January 6th, which I said, and I was wrong on, uh, that I thought that was going to be a, an awful moment, but a great byproduct would be that there it is. There's the rock bottom. There it was. I said this on the radio. I wrote about it. So I'm sure I had to have said it on the podcast. Yeah, for sure. I unfortunately kind of predicted it on the podcast Yeah, uh, the night before, uh, or at least expressed my fear that it could happen. Uh -huh. um, I was wrong on that. And ever since then, uh, ever since like a couple of weeks later, I think, I've just basically tuned out of the stuff. Because I'm like, okay, if that doesn't change it, then nothing will. Yeah, if seriously. that doesn't change it, then nothing will. Yep. So, you know, that at that point, if you're like still somehow, you know, I'm like, okay, that's it, that's it. And there, and what I have personally found, it's like when I unsubscribed from um, cable news, Twitter feeds, and Instagram feeds, and I did that a few years ago. It was just a better experience. Yep. You know, I now you. I don't see like Fox News framing Joe Biden. Or CNN framing Donald Trump, no matter what, that's going to be the topic in between, like, my Abigail Mack and, <laughs> you know, Tina Louise feed on uh, Instagram. Yeah. You know, it's just like it's out of my life. Yep. I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm, it just makes life happier. And it kind of goes back to everything that I feel like I talk about on this thing. Every, you, got, you only have so much time. And why would I want to spend time getting angry? <laughs> yeah, it seems <laughs> when like it a... doesn't impact my life. Like it doesn't make me more informed. It makes me more informed with what they want me to think, mm -hmm. manipulate my mind, my anger, because that's the game: get people angry. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't do anything for me. It makes me angry. Yeah. Well, that's that's a negative. So why would I do that? So then I go, oh, I unsubscribe, and now I don't have to deal with that. I get angry about other shit, but not that shit now. Now I've reduced one thing that has zero upside. It's kind of an easy play when you think about it. No doubt. But I guess if you really like being in the bubble, like, yeah, you see what this, you know, uh, you know, you might win your argument with your stranger friend on the Internet. Good. Because maybe that's your source of happiness. Yeah. For me, that's not, you know, that's not what does it for me. So I don't, I, I, got, I got away from it. So you try to reduce the negatives in life. That's, sure. that's it. So I don't know why somebody would. I don't know why. Jackson, do you hate listen to anything? <laughs> no. No, I rewatch stuff 
just so I don't hate watch or hate listen. Like I'll re-listen to podcasts or shows so that I know I'm not going to be hate listening to anything. Um, but sometimes say like a podcaster has like a, a controversial guest, not controversial, but polarizing. Uh, I'll usually listen to it. And sometimes I'll find myself being like, man, I disagree with everything this person is saying, but I do want to hear it because I I'm in fear constantly that I am living in a bubble and that sometimes my thoughts can get stale because I'm not hearing others' perspectives. Um, but I, I would never like listen to something that I know I dislike just to hate listen to it. Yeah. I would never do that. See, now that's the thing. So that's why I like when I'm listening to somebody. And I think that is why, and I could be off the mark on this, one of the, here's a recent social media phenomenon. I think mm-hmm. it's a recent social media phenomenon. I would say it's gone on over the last few months. Bill Maher. Mm-hmm. Bill Maher has gotten a lot of praise from conservatives as of late because he's saying things that are essentially, I don't want to say they're anti-liberal, but they are anti-talking points of liberals mm-hmm. at this particular moment, at least what are stereotypical talking points of liberals at this particular moment. And I think people find it refreshing that he's going, you know, just from a logic standpoint, this is fucking dumb. Or mm-hmm. why are we doing this? Or this makes no sense. This is irresponsible. This is hurting people. This is whatever the case might be. And people are like, good. It's, it's like, I'm, I'm not going to, like, even if Tucker Carlson or Rachel Maddow said something, then I go, holy shit, that's a really good point. In the back of my mind, or really at the forefront of my mind, I would go, yeah, I mean, he's probably, or he's probably just making something up or taking some kind of liberty with a fact to try to drive the point home. You see mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. And that, that's the difference. Mm-hmm. That's the difference. If I give a conservative take or if I give a liberal take, I think people know, like me, hate me, whatever, that I truly think it. And then it's kind of coming from more of a judicious perspective that, okay, fine, you fucking hate me or it doesn't match up with what you think I am, but this is what I think. And here's my reasoning. And to me, that's got value. Now, maybe if I'm sitting at 70... And the guy who was an actor, you know, 30 years earlier mm-hmm. is, you know, sitting at his home in, you know, Palm Springs in the winter. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, you know, burning through my 401k. <laughs> um, maybe I'll be like, oh, I should have, you know, I should have been a clown and danced for everybody. Yeah. You know, but I, to me right now, it's a no brainer. I don't know. Maybe it's irresponsible. To, to, to like my family, <laughs> maybe I should go, oh, my God, I can see this way. I can go make a shitload of money. Um, but I don't want to lie to people. And again, I don't think it's heroic. I, I think it's like, it's like when Chris Rock says, you know, you don't get an award when, you're, when your son doesn't go to jail. Yeah. You know, that's what you're supposed to do. You're not supposed to go to jail. I don't think I'm doing anything heroic by not lying to people on the radio. Yeah, I hear you. Or the podcast. That's what you're supposed to do. But I guess it's not really the game right now. I don't know. I mean, maybe it, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of, you know, a, a variety of people who have taken what to me is like this. Bill Maher can do it because he's made millions and millions and millions of dollars. But to Bill Maher's credit, he's been doing he's been saying shit that wasn't popular for a long time. It goes back to the 90s. And I don't think he had made millions and millions and millions of dollars at that point. Mm-hmm. So I have more respect for it then. And what Stern was doing, you know, he was swimming upstream. I respect it. 
let's see, Action Jackson. What do I need to talk about? Oh, I need to talk about it was, uh, about an hour ago. Uh, it was raining uh, like crazy. Is mm-hmm. that still going on? No, it's uh, it's slowed down, but it definitely probably will return. Um, so here is a. Uh, Here's the deal. If you do deal with water in your home, go to Restoration One of Central St. Louis. That's Restoration One of Central St. Louis.com. The great Jim Rogers. I had water issues in our basement and it was brutal. Uh, Restoration One of Central St. Louis.com. Jim Rogers, he'll come over and take care of that for you and also make sure they completely dry it out and so you don't get mold behind a wall and then all hell breaks loose. 314 565 one nine six two three one four five six five one nine six two. That's Jim Rogers of Restoration One of Central St. Louis dot com. Jim Rogers, Restoration One of Central St. Louis dot com. And Seth Goldcamp of Design Air Heating and Cooling online at designairservice.com. I am a very happy Design Air Heating and Cooling client, and I know your parents are mm-hmm. as well, Jackson. Why did they like them so much? Tell me why. What's going on here? Well, you know, it's the day before the five or six coldest day stretch in St. Louis this year, and all of a sudden, boop, heater goes out. I mean, brutal panic, just panic. And we call up Design Air. They come over. They look at it. They say, "Boy, we need this part. I don't know if we have it." The guy drives out of his way, as you know, far, far out of his way to go get that part, put it on our heater, saves the day. Could they come back a week later to do the, it was a temporary fix at the beginning. They come back later to do the permanent fix. And they do it with just the most gracious of customer service. And they just really save the day. I mean, we would have had to spend a, a couple days in a hotel because it would have been so cold. But Design Air makes sure that uh, we were living in comfort. And I couldn't be more thankful. And I know my parents couldn't be more thankful. There you go. That sums it up real nicely. I'm a very happy client as well. I know Doug is. Design Air Heating and Cooling online at designairservice.com. All right. Let me see if I can get one more in here. Um, oh, this was a good one. Boy, this, is, this, is, this isn't one. This isn't like the squirrel on the water skis kicker. This is, this, this is more of a lead. Mm-hmm. So maybe we're going to go deep diving. Sweet. Uh, it's not my intent. It's not my intent. Um, as you raise your first son and also taking from your own father in the fashion he raised you and your siblings, do you think it's important for your child slash children to make their own mistakes after a certain age in life and learn from them on their own as they enter the real world down the road? Or do you think it's important for parents to hover, for lack of a better word, tell them about your own and others uh, you witness make mistakes in life so they don't repeat them and always be involved Regardless of age, my grandfather told my father growing up, learn from the mistakes of others so you don't make them on your own. My dad also has a quote he uses as a philosophy with me. You ne- you're never done being a parent. He's been heavily involved with my career and life guidance since day one, and I personally love where it has taken our relationship. Curious as to your thoughts and if your own upbringing influences it or not. Sidebar, after meeting your father, I'm convinced the man has never made a mistake and will never for the remainder of his Hall of Fame run, LOL. No right answer to this, obviously. Just curious as to your thoughts. You are the Nostradamus of politics and still undefeated in the competition of being the best. Uh, those are laughing emojis that follows it, and that's from Matthew Ehrenreich. Um, that is a, the, the fatherhood question thing, Jackson. Mm-hmm. So you, of course, don't have children. Nope. At least I assume that's going to be a big breaking story if we find that out right here. No, no, no yeah. kids. How do you picture yourself as a parent? 
What do you think you will do along the lines of the questions that Matt asked? Oh, I'll probably take a page out of my father's book. Um, you know, be very vigilant in teaching morals. Uh, you know, if you see a problem, you nip it in the bud immediately. Uh, you don't let those problems grow. Uh, and you be really, you know, everything is out of love. Like everything my dad has ever done for me, whether it be screaming at me about my jump shot or, you know, talk about my homework or studying for tests is all because of his love for me and his, his one, he wants to see me succeed. And I always knew that. And so whenever, if he did yell at me, cause I mean, my dad was a principal, he knows, he knew what to do when it comes to disciplining kids. Yeah. Um, but I knew everything he was doing was out of love and he wanted to see me succeed. So I took a lot of value in that. My mom was the same way, you know, she always wanted to see the best for me. So when it comes to that, cause sometimes I feel like kids can feel like they're just getting yelled at just because, but when you think of the rationale behind it, uh, I think it's really important to teach kids right from wrong and, and be there for everything, you know, not just, you know, be present at all times. And so uh, that was really important for me growing up. And I hope to emulate that because my parents had such a great influence on me. It's an astute answer, especially for somebody who A, doesn't have children <laughs> and B, is only 23. Thank you. Uh, I tip my cap, Thank kind you. sir. Thank you. Um, I, I guess the way I would answer it is the way I attempt to parent is, as I found, there wasn't really a plan. But I kind of look at it now with three and a half years of experience um, and really like kind of the first year, you know, they're not they're not really I mean, they're there, of course, but there isn't a whole lot of, you know, awareness, so to speak, on their part to, to mold. But um, is the same way I would say I, I built slash operated businesses. Mm -hmm. And by that, I mean, I remember the things that the bosses or the companies I worked for did that I didn't like or the people around me didn't like, and therefore I made sure to go out of my way to not do those things. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I knew I hated growing up and didn't make sense to me then, and I still don't, th don't think works now, is because I said so. Mm. I hear like if that. my mom or yeah. dad would say, because I said so, which I think is a parenting thing. And I have not found, and surprisingly, I have not found myself uh, ever saying because I said so. And so even though I know he has no idea what I'm saying, uh, especially early on, mm -hmm. um, I give the reason, you know, and treat him like probably too much of an adult, actually. Mm -hmm. um, but that is to give the explanation. And so I will pick my battles. And this is something where Anna Marie and I kind of have a differing approach, I think. And I'm not saying mine is right. Mine might be completely wrong. Um, but he's, he's a three-and-a-half-year-old boy, high energy. You've never been around my son, have you? You've nope. barely been around me. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, he's just, he's, I mean it's just high energy. It's just it's nonstop. Mm -hmm. And to me, and he's always happy. Mm. He's always happy. And from my standpoint... I see it, and I don't. I, it's like I don't want to fuck it up. Mm -hmm. So it's a different kind of situation there, um, in that I feel like this is a beautiful thing that he's always happy, that he has the energy and the excitement for every day and everything. Mm -hmm. And it's I think you know if it's a bell curve, it's certainly from a parenting standpoint. I think we have our hands fuller um, than I think. 
one would expect, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I wouldn't trade it for anything yeah. because the energy is what I think fuels the happiness mm-hmm. and the enthusiasm. So from that standpoint, I approach it with picking my personally picking my battles, but trying to, even at three, point out why some things are the way they are and then also pick certain spots where I'm like, okay, that can't go on. One thing that I'm having a real tough time with is the like seven dirty words, so to speak, mm-hmm. because I use them so freely and I, from a personal standpoint, think there's absolutely nothing wrong with them. Mm-hmm. So I don't believe in the thing that I have to teach, which therefore is a real paradox for me. Because if I'm going to teach something, I'm going to believe in it. But this is the one thing where I don't believe in it, but yet I I know not because I think it's wrong that he's doing it. It's more like, hey, when you go to school and if you say fuck, it's going to be a problem. (laughs) (laughs) Now, listen, I know you just heard me say fuck when I was doing my podcast like 30 times, or I just said fuck when I was watching somebody miss a putt, (laughs) or you watched me miss a putt and I said fuck, but... You can't say it. Mm-hmm. That's not good because you got to lead by example. So that has that's that's been a thing. That is a thing. Yeah. And I don't know. And I don't know what the hell to do about it because I don't really believe in it. You know. Yeah, it's a tough spot. It really is. I mean, I I, I don't I don't know. I mean, I guess the answer is I don't. I can't say it around him. And I mean, I can turn it off just like I do when I'm on the radio. I turn it off. Mm-hmm. But I think it's such a stupid thing that I don't think makes any sense that these words. Are like the, these could like destroy your career if you use them, you know? Yeah, it when seems they, outdated. When, oh, it's so dumb. Yeah, <laughs> it so seems outdated. Dumb. It's absolutely ridiculous. And I love it. Listen, ten years ago, if Joe Buck would have gone on a pod, there were, first off, there wasn't a podcast, or if there were, there were very few. Mm-hmm. But if you would have done an interview and said "fuck" as often as he says now, it might have been an issue for Fox. Yeah. Now he says people say it all the time, and they don't even think anything of it. Kobe Bryant's wife, widow, uh-huh. Vanessa, accepts his, you know, uh, Hall of Fame induction, gives the speech, and, you know, one of the highlights that's tweeted out by ESPN is her going, I bet he's up in heaven with his arms folded laughing, going, isn't this some shit? Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. So like people kind of go, yeah, it doesn't matter, and, like, we know the people who have a problem with it, and we kind of don't care anymore about those people. Exactly. It used to be when I was doing TV news, it's like, oh, you're going to get some phone calls about that. And I remember thinking that's a badge of honor because I don't want those people to like me. Mm-hmm. I don't fucking care. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're offended? Good. Fuck off. <laughs> I don't want you. Hell yeah. You know? Yeah. I don't, you're not my people anyway. Mm-hmm. So fuck off. I don't care. So if somebody's like, oh, I, I need a, a speech at St. Gabriel's. This is, I mean, this is super, super, you know, first off, it's old, like 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. And it was just like a Q&A. You know, I went there. I still love the place. Even mm-hmm. now, I still love the place. And an old man comes up to me afterwards, and he goes, I really enjoyed your talk, but you know you were out of line. And I said, I'm sorry, sir? <laughs> and he goes, well, you were up there, and you cursed. And I'm thinking to myself, boy, you know, I kind of had my radio filter on, mm-hmm. and I, I knew I didn't curse. And I go, he goes, you said the H word. <laughs> And he said, you said, hell. He goes, you can't, you can't be doing that. You know, not, not in a position as a role model. And I'm going, oh my God, you know? So it's, it's, it's in the eye of the beholder. Yeah. I think it's kind of going away for the most part, Mm -hmm. but it's something that I know 
I, as a parent, am not doing well because I know he has to. If he goes into school and he starts saying that stuff, it's going to be a big problem, a yeah. big problem. Mm-hmm. So I got to do better on that, but I don't believe in it. So it's that's the one thing. The other stuff, I don't. I, first off, I love being a father. I mm-hmm. absolutely love it. I love it way more than I ever thought. Years ago, not years ago, but like five years ago, when we thought we weren't going to be able to have kids, which is kind of the cards we thought we would been dealt. I was always kind of like, well, I mean, and I know it sounds bizarre. I mean, now it sounds really bizarre now that I have this person in my life who my world revolves around. Mm -hmm. But I was kind of like, well, if we can't have kids, you know, that's very unfortunate. But we're incredibly happy as we are. And so, you know, it will be fine. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I and I realize a lot of people listening to this, they don't necessarily want to talk about it, but have infertility issues or there might be a medical condition somebody has. And it's just one of those things that everybody kind of assumes everybody can have kids, but that's not necessarily the way that it is. Mm-hmm. Um, like when people say, oh, when are you guys going to have kids? That kind of thing. And it can be unknowingly bringing up a subject that is sore. But, you know, there's no malice behind when somebody just kind of asks that question. For sure. Um, but... It, it, I love it. I, I, I love it. I absolutely love it. We also would love to have another child. We also recognize that it's not necessarily likely. I mean, hell, obviously we've been trying here for a few years, and if it doesn't happen, what can you do? I mean, um, and we've done IVF a couple times before Jameson was born. But the, the thing that I, I think I love about it is not anything that I'm doing as a father. I just love how happy my son is. And so that's the thing that puts me in an incredibly good place. Hmm. Um, so as far as the parenting element of it, um, you know, it's f- the, 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 the choices you presented, uh, Matt, with your, your question is, uh, more live and learn or, um, hovering. And I'm definitely in the live and learn. I mean, the hovering thing, I'm already there. Yeah. Kind of like, okay, he fell. I hate seeing him fall, but okay, now he knows not to do the dumb shit that caused him to fall. So I'm glad he fell. Not yeah. glad that he's hurt, but I'm glad that he learned because I was telling him not to do that, and then he fell, and now he understands the program. Yeah. You know? There's a, there's and then a, also picking the spots where yeah. I do raise my voice and get more active as opposed to going, okay, I mean, I'm not going to go batshit over this thing. I'm not going to, you know... Because then at that point, then the yelling... It gets drowned out yep. if I'm yelling about everything. Yep. It becomes so it's less important. Like a, it's almost like a game in a sense. <laughs> that you got to pick your spots and manage your emotions. Yeah. And and always being as much as I can anyway, like, Dad, you want to go outside and, you know, play soccer or play baseball or, you know, I want to go to the golf course or whatever. And if that's the case, be able to do it if I can, even if I don't feel like it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like psychologically, even though he's not conscious of it, it lets him know I'm I'm in and I'm on board as often as I can because inevitably there'll be times where I can't be. So that's the way that I approach it. I know that, I, I you know, when you're talking about a three-year-old, it's a different thing than talking about, you know, somebody who's even 10, for example, mm-hmm. where you do start having some moments. And, you, you know, with a three-year-old, I heard Bill Simmons, I think it was Bill Simmons, say, when you're the father of a boy, you think there's something wrong with him all the way until around the age of six. And then you realize, oh, we're all just kind of fucking animals. <laughs> and then at around six, then kind of go, okay, well, but he was okay the whole time. We just thought he was fucking crazy. Yeah. That's a boy. You know, I've heard this, Jackson, that 
girls are easier when they're babies and kids and then much tougher when they're teenagers and boys are the opposite way. Yeah, I've heard that. And I can't speak to raising a daughter, mm-hmm. um, at least as of this moment. But yeah, this is this is this is certainly when I you know all parents have their war stories, and so it, one of the things that binds parents together is they don't want to hear people without kids pontificate on raising kids. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. I know the plowhawk used to catch some hell for for, the, <laughs> yeah. for that. Um, but one of the things that I found when people ask, and they'll like I was over to a flag football game last week, and. My son was running all over the place. It was like 8 o'clock, and uh, this guy who I was meeting up there, getting my whoop battery from, as a matter of fact, former Cardinal strength and conditioning coach Pete Prinzi, his mom goes, my God, is he full of energy. He never stops. And it was like 8.15. She goes, when is his bedtime? I go, about 11.30 is when he'll shut it down. Yeah. She goes, oh, he must nap all day. I go, nope, he's never really taken a nap since he's been born. Jeez. Which is just the way that it, I mean, yeah. I mean, when he was an infant, he would take naps. But they were like, I think we could time them, like 28 minutes, and they were you know, and they weren't frequent throughout the day. Mm-hmm. And so we have been on the clock truly without the nap breaks that a lot of parents get since he was born, since August of 2017. And that, and so when we say that, a lot of parents look at us like, that's when the moment where every parent that kind of has the thing of, yeah, you know, it's a motherfucker, the house is a mess, and you go, who gives a shit? Or, you know, somebody's banging on your chair on, on a flight, and if you're a parent, you get it. When you're not a parent, you go, what the fuck? How come these people can't get their kids in check? Yeah. And so what I have found is that is the moment where other parents will go, oh, my God. You know, they actually have some semblance of holy shit. Yeah. But that's what we got. But, I, but again, he's so happy and energetic that from my standpoint, I, it's A-OK because that's kind of, like I said, the cost of, uh, of the happiness, I think. The energy is the thing that he's just happy. He's just happy to do whatever it is. And I love that. Now, how will that manifest itself as he grows up? Because that wasn't me. Mm-hmm. Still, obviously, is not me. I am <laughs> not Mr. Happy. <laughs> and my dad is. That's the thing. I think, like, the likability and happiness skips over a generation. The baldness <laughs> didn't. The likability and happiness skips over a generation. <laughs> everybody loves Jameson. and Everybody loves my dad. People can take or leave me. But but, but the, the, the happiness thing and the energy, I'm anxious to see, like, how that, because clearly, you know, uh-huh. I just can kind of I can kind of see it like and I can pick off his bullshit real easily and he'll still double and triple down on it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, if you lie one more time and then I really lay out a real penalty and then he immediately buckles, you know, he immediately mm-hmm. folds the hand. But I'm like, just, he's got to stop with the big, and, and almost not, not even for the sake I'm offended that you're lying to me, I, you know, whatever. I get it. That's kind of the game. Mm-hmm. But you're just making an ass of yourself. You try to run this bullshit on other people. You want to do it inside the house to me? Fine. I know you're fucking with me, but uh-huh. don't do it out because now you're just a horrible, horrible liar. You're making an ass of yourself, and it's only going to hurt you. So, you know, stop. So I, I think I think if anything, I already treat him like I'm raising a 15 year old, which maybe is good or bad. I don't know. You know, kind of like stop fucking around with me. Oh yeah, I can't say that. You know. Yeah. You know, leave me the fuck alone. You know, what are you <laughs> doing with the Legos? You're making an ass of yourself. You know, yeah. I think I'm the father and she's the one. I'm essentially John Mahoney's character. I'm finding in the film, she's the one. Have you seen the film, she's the one, Jackson? Boy, 0 for 2 for me today. I've not wow. seen she's the again, one. and again, I think you would love it. Yeah. When did I, that one I th- I'm, Listen, it's one of those things I don't necessarily like when people give me shows to watch. So uh-huh. I'm being a complete hypocrite here. 
But for as much as you enjoy movies, first off, private parts. I, I'm yeah, God, really I surprised that. you haven't seen it. Yeah. Now that you're working in radio, I'll be at a totally different era of radio. Uh-huh. Um, and then she's the one. I think you'll enjoy it. All right, I'll check. I, I love that, that one. Burns. That one. The private parts is a lock. She's yeah. the one. No doubt. All right, so there you, you got some movie recommendations. Audience, you have movie recommendations. Send your questions, comments, erotic stories, opinions, requests for deep dives in. T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. I am uh, I'm making my way through the library of emails that I haven't gotten to. I told Jackson before we started the podcast, I got so many emails, but they're great. I actually told him that my wife, I said, I got a forward, so, so many of these, are, I've never said that, by the way, about things involving the radio show or the podcast, that I need to forward these to you, as in my wife, mm-hmm. because people like poured out their hearts and gave reels on, the, on whether or not to, to move from St. Louis. It just is a topic that really resonated for mm-hmm. whatever reason. I don't know. Um, but I mean, that was what my, uh, so much of my QFTA inbox and I'm like, okay, we talked about it a couple of weeks. I'm just, you know, we've talked about it. You yeah. Know, it, it was, I appreciate how it resonated, but let's move on to some other ones. So now I'm getting into some like Matt's, uh, was sent in on April 12th. So I'm making my way through getting there the file, but you can send in new ones. I see there's a bunch of new ones that were sent in today since we started recording T McKernan at inside That is how you can send them in TMCK. E-R-N-A-N at InsideSTL.com. Hey, hey, and uh, Father's Day is coming up here in a few weeks. If you want to get a sound story or you want to get together with your siblings or your your fellow cousins and uh, do one for your grandfather, uh, go to MySoundStory.com or email me, tmckernan at InsideSTL.com. Time for us to shut this one down. For Action Jackson, Virgin Pringle Sauce Boss, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been another edition of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Peloton, let's go! This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.